Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. darlings welcome back to sisters in the shadows about women in blues and jazz hi guys yep i'm colette cooper and it's good to be back again now sorry i've been away for so long now as you may know may not know i've been very very busy with my play about janice joplin but thought i'd use this small break to come back for a short series featuring interviews i actually recorded uh, in between my rehearsals and a huge, huge, massive thanks to our brilliant guest hosts, Andy Davies, Joe Harrop and Cherise Adams-Burnett, who were absolutely brilliant at hosting the podcast. In fact, I'm going to get them to do it again because they were brilliant and we got uh, loads of brilliant comments about them. In this series, I'm looking at the amazing impact and influence women have had and still have on the development of blues and jazz. Today's show is dedicated to the brilliant Erica Badu. Telephone is so dirty. He wants to give you directions home. Erica was born Erica Wright in They'll Dallas, Texas, on February the 26th, 1971. Days gone. Erica made her stage debut age four, singing and dancing at Dallas Theatre Centre. As a teenager, she went to the Booker T. Washington High School for performing and visual arts. Soon after that, she changed the spelling of her first name from Erica, E-R-I-C-A, to the spelling we know today because she felt it was her slave name. Her new last name, Badu, comes from her favourite scat sound and is Ghanaian for the 10th born child. 
1994, she was singing part-time and open for D'Angelo, whose manager, Kidar Massenberg, was so impressed, he asked her to cover Precious Love by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell with him. He also signed her to his label, Kidar Entertainment, and produced her debut album, Baduism. Baduism was a huge success. The first single, On and On, went to number one on R&B charts, as did the album in 1997. And it was also certified triple platinum. She won her first Grammys for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance and Best R&B Album the year later. Her follow-up album, Mama's Gun, and subsequent releases were all critically acclaimed and earned her more nominations. But her 2007 release, New America Part 1, was the best received and selling since her debut album. Badu caused controversy in 2010 with the video for the song Window Seat. She filmed it without permission in Dealey Plaza where JFK was assassinated. The video features her walking down the street shedding her clothes until she's naked on the spot where he was killed. She was accused of disrespecting his memory but she insisted it was not meant as an insult. JFK is a hero of mine, she said. He was not afraid to butt heads with America and I was not afraid to show America my butt naked truth. She is often compared to Billie Holiday and has been hailed as the queen of neo-soul. I would compare it more to Nina Simone, actually. She, she reminds me very, very, very much of her, her attitude. Everything about her is very, to me, very Nina. And the rest is history. Today I'm talking to the absolutely incredible Aruba Red. I spoke to her a few weeks ago and we started by talking about her beautiful album, live at St Pancras Old Church, which is one of my favourite venues, I perform there myself, and how she released it as a way to cope with lockdown, which is amazing. The album is really what came out of that and right. we were so lucky that the concert took, it was my debut headline show and it took place literally it was like the 11th of march wow. last year and then I, I think the lockdown started on like the 23rd i think it was so yeah. we got in just in time and we had the foresight to have it professionally filmed and recorded and Thank and then goodness. yeah during lockdown i was able to get funding from help musicians um do it differently grant and we spent our time creating this live album you know Amazing. mixing and mastering it and also we created like a seven part mini documentary series about the inspiration behind the music so the, yeah all the all the meanings behind the songs so i was that's... really really fortunate to be able to be creative during that time yeah that's amazing that's uh, quite a few musicians that they've really sort of buckled down and um made new music during this time because obviously you know not able to gig yeah. And so the best, you know, best thing is is to just head down and write and create. Yeah. <laughs> and your debut, you your when you um your debut night of your album was at St Pancras Church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Great. It was. And beautiful it was a lovely venue. venue. It was it's, I performed there. Um, it it oh, is amazing. one of my favourites 
really lovely. I knew that's why I wanted it to be. There were all these venues and we were trying to choose, like, where should we do that's it? And I, I wanted that venue. We had to, like, really kind of you know, the make best. the date work. And, yeah, it was, it was great when we managed to It's such it. a great venue, isn't it? It was so fun. It was it's really, got a really real great energy and atmosphere. Yeah, it was quite it. magical. It was really quite magical. magical. <laughs> really yeah. magical. So tell me, because obviously your music, I can hear some really strong influences in there. Erica Badu being one of them, and we'll get to her in a moment. Definitely. And definitely. Um, there's definitely some, you know, tones of um, some jazz in there. You've drawn some influences there, and probably because you've drawn influence on that Erica Badu and her influences, you know, yeah, dominoes yeah. effect. And yeah. Who was the very first sort of artist in jazz and blues you heard perform? And vocally or instrumentalist or both? And on what song? That's such a good question. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about quite a lot. And, and I really feel that it was more like a palette of sound that I would hear growing yeah. up in the house. Yeah. So my dad used to play a lot of the old records. And I, I remember him playing Nina Simone and Etta James and Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald. Like, the, you know, the real greats of, of yeah. jazz and blues. Um and kind of sticks yeah, in your subconscious, of, doesn't it? When you when you yeah, brought it up exactly, it. exactly. And it, to be honest, I wouldn't have like maybe bought their albums myself when I was a kid or, or known, but it just ended up being just part of my musical education almost suddenly, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's that was just, just always underpinning everything. Yeah. yeah, and um, I also remember him telling me stories about Janis Joplin, um, who he'd been friends with in the sixties, and. Um, Addy. Yeah, my dad had some really great, great stories because he was really involved in in that, um, you know, the early days of British yeah. jazz and blues and everything. Um, so your dad's been quite then, a big influence on you musically, then. He, I guess, he has again in in terms of it's just what was always around, always yeah. there, and um, and like you said, the domino effect. That that is really what I can liken it to because yeah. nothing comes from nothing. Everything Absolutely. comes from something. Absolutely, of course. Exactly, exactly. And even if we're not aware of what the influences are, yeah. they, they kind of, they just seep into our, into our blood and, and yeah. part of who we are. And, and, and then, you know, you'll do something and someone else will be like, oh, that reminds me of someone that you've never even you've heard of. <laughs> never even heard of. Like, really? I used to um, often get compared to, um, I don't sound anything like Edith PF, but I can, I can, I can, I can Maybe, kind of hear yeah. what, what what they're saying. It was compared me to like a Janis Joplin, Edith PF, and I just think, yeah, well, really, neither of them were over my influences. But I was brought up in a house where my dad would play Edith PF every Sunday. You know, yeah. play Janis Joplin, um, and it, 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 yeah, you're right. It seeps into your blood, and you, it you really whether does. you're aware yeah. of it, you know, or not, it's. Yeah, you, you you know they're the influences that you you kind of you know you grow up with Definitely. and, and it's without really realizing. Yeah, and it's really fascinating hearing what other people hear. Um, yeah, someone left a comment on a YouTube video recently saying, "Aruba read the poor man's Kate Bush," and I didn't know how to take that. Poor man's Kate <laughs> Bush. How very dare they? Well, there's always one. Actually, but I always thought that's actually quite. A, it, I kind of took it's it a, a compliment, thing, really, because. Actually, but again, like I'd never really listened to a lot of Kate Bush, but I did manage to. My friend took me to her amazing, you know, that really rare tour that she did like a few years back when she that's kind of, right. And like, she took me, my friend took me to that, and I was like, wow, it's incredible. And so then, yeah, for someone to say that, I'm like, wow, that's that's actually a weird actually, a cool compliment, <laughs> such a huge compliment. And actually, I can kind of see it, actually. I guess yeah, it's more I the rebellious, see. yeah, I don't know, but a bit um, of Kate, there's definitely a bit of Kate Bush there. 
and and I think yeah and I think maybe that could be in terms of your 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 performance as well you're theatrical I feel like you've got real theatrical tones in you which is great it's entertaining you know and that's what it's all about really isn't it at the end of the day it's all about entertainment and you, I love your I love yeah. your theatrical tones oh, as well. I can't you. wait to see you live, actually. Well, hopefully that will happen. But yeah, going back to your question, the first mm. you asked me the first like the song that really stuck in my mind. And, yeah. Um, I've just yeah I think um I think it might have been the voice of Bessie Smith. I remember my dad playing these wow. really old like really old what he called like the real authentic blues music like the that's really right. Old, you know, the black and white kind of or the crackly sound that you would hear on an old cassette tape and, oh um, she's like my biggest hero oh you can talk yeah, about bessie it, smith all yeah, day with me it might have been maybe saint louis blue something like that yeah. um that really like gosh it just like i was like wow just the emotion in the voice and the storytelling the and um yeah just really really resonated with me and yeah and then the other thing that really comes up is those old betty boo cartoons old black and white betty boo cartoons Yes. Um, my dad used to play us a lot, and I used to have really weird dreams about them. I remember being quite terrified <laughs> in my dreams of all this, like, kind of borderline psychedelic, kind of weird, you know, stuff going on. But the music was, like, so incredible. And then I later learned that um, her character was based on baby Esther Jones, and I kind of did a lot of yeah. research into that, which was super interesting. And I guess, yeah, I feel those old blues and scales they didn't, creeping into my music. And sadly, they didn't... Um credit her no they didn't credit her for a a long time which is pretty disgusting isn't it um but it's now it's pretty much out there which is great but it's it was just so sad that she wasn't credited you know but going back to that happens so often yeah so often it still happens now to be fair yeah um going back to bessie smith um that's that's really impressed me because you know and, and your dad that's your dad teaching you and all about because she really was the start of it all yeah really for yeah. me anyway and she was so you know her truthfulness her, her absolute the rawness of her you can't get more truthful than bessie smith yeah you know because she just didn't that give a fuck and she honesty. Just, yeah she's so honest to the point where it was like ah yeah um, yeah and i think Which that's needed right now yeah, right so, yeah like, exactly quite, challenging these days like tips hang yeah. around what can i say what can i not and it's just like yeah, that what can you say truth, what can you not so. you know it's we only talk about that uh, this morning actually it's like, oh god i can't say this now i can't say that yeah, you just yeah. can't express yourself yeah. everyone's so yeah. walking on eggshells you don't know what to say mm-hmm. who am i going to mm-hmm. offend it's mm-hmm. you know he's kind of taking that whole freedom away from us and and I think, you know, it's everything can be twisted. Social media can twist everything. Yeah. You say one thing, that's all twisted. Yeah. In a way, I think it's just best to just go, I don't give a fuck, I'm going to say what I want. And then yes. expect, expect, literally expect and accept the consequences. Yeah. I know you, you, yeah. your dad, definitely somebody you should um, listen to all the time, which I'm sure you do. Yeah, well, he did, he did always, like, the one thing that really stuck with me, he was, pay tribute and acknowledge the origins of, of your art form and the origins of, of your music and what influences you know always really really yeah stuck with me because I do have so many influences from, from so many different cultures and yeah. musical genres and I think that is wonderful to you know have that melting pot of inspiration but I also think it's really important to know where it came from who were the Absolutely. originators and who needs to be kind of acknowledged and praised for 
I totally, that way, you know? totally agree with you on that. You know, I absolutely agree with you because as we know, you know, blues and jazz was kind of stolen, you know, mm-hmm. and claimed mm-hmm. by the white middle class yeah. and yeah. for a long, long time, you know, and it's about reclaiming those roots back and yeah. recognition yeah. and credited. And that's very, very, very important. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Aruba. I love your name, Aruba Red. Now, thank um, you. What's your real name? Did your mum and dad? No, it's not my real name. I, I love it. It's not my real name. My sister chose it for me. I was looking for a name yeah. when I started singing professionally, um, and I wanted something that would really invoke like this female warrior kind of spirit, and something that could be quite ambiguous in terms of. It could be my band name, it could be my solo yeah. artist name, it could be a DJ set up, like whatever I was doing, I wanted something that was quite just interesting to listen to. So Aruba yeah. Red was a legendary female pirate who used to sail the seas a few hundred years ago. She was probably of Celtic origin yeah. and would sail around the Caribbean, like stealing rum from ships and all this. There, yeah. there, there isn't like much concrete. Not, you're not coming over to ours then, you'll have to hide the bar. <laughs> I'll um, run from you. Yeah, but she, she just invoked to me like this the really strong female character in a in a very much male dominated world, and yeah. also this idea of of kind of collecting treasures. So that's how I see my music is like collecting influences and and different inspirations and kind of you know bringing it all together. So yeah, that's why I chose. I chose absolutely her name. love it. I think it's just like the coolest name, I and mean, it really <laughs> suits you. you. Suits everything about you. I think Thank it's just so brilliant. Much. Straight away, I was like, I was like, ooh, a rumor red. <laughs> we like this. Yes, <laughs> really love it. So, would you say who was this sort of first female sort of jazz artist influenced you to perform? I with? would say I would say Erica Badu for sure, yeah. and I know that yeah. she's you know classed as neo soul or whatever you know people want to say, but for me. When I hear her singing live and when I hear her band, like there's so much jazz. Absolutely. In that, what she that, does, you know? Absolutely. I mean, she is a queen of neo soul, but her influence yeah. is like we say, a domino's effect goes back yeah. to. She's often been described as a, you know, the kind of the Billie Holiday of soul, hasn't she? Yeah, exactly. Her. I remember when I first heard On and On when I was a teenager. Yeah, great. And great it song. just like hit me. I was just like, wow, what is this sound? Mm. Like you just heard the drum and the bass kind of yeah. kicking in. And then, and I've, I've got to see her perform, I think, three times live. And it's wow. always been such an incredible, almost like a spiritual experience. I just yeah. love the way that she just has created this whole world. And I also, um, I'm a birth keeper as well. And she's also a doula. So it's just kind of, she really just... It's like your soul sister there. She's yeah, like, just, you know, twin. Inspiration. Yeah, and I think there's just so many. I actually wrote an article about her quite recently. And, and I really delved into just how much... Um, inspiration I've drawn from her not only yeah. musically but just in terms of strength as a woman in my own life I remember when I became a single mom and I kind of had a lot of internalized shame around that and kind of thinking like right. I'm gonna you know my kids might have different dads and just all these things that like we've been told are like not desirable or whatever and I haven't yeah. kind of shed those layers and I realized wow Erica Badu's like this strong you know independent woman and she's you know she has kids with different dads and that's yeah, celebrated so great and it look at the matter. royal family like, darling <laughs> yeah exactly but i think it's like these things that we don't think we have an issue with yeah. and suddenly when it's ourselves we're like i don't know it was just kind of all these layers and and just um just her authenticity and her ability to speak her truth and yeah and even when it's been quite controversial i think she I, I just feel like she's just in her power and it kind of comes from a good like loving 
place with love yeah. for humanity and absolutely and just musically i just i just love i love what she does I really, oh, she's, really love what she she's does. incredible and i can i can definitely see um you know listening to you and watching you yeah um, that there's you know there's there's you, you like a you like twin souls which is <laughs> which is wonderful and you're not and what i like about you you know ruby you're not outwardly emulating you know you've got your own thing going on but you, yeah. you can, there's a real and it's a natural draw you know sometimes when people draw influence and sometimes it just doesn't match it's like mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. no that doesn't match you you're drawing it doesn't it's not working that influence you're bringing in but the influence since like the influence that you've brought in from her it's a nat it's natural it's organic yeah and it so feels it feels yeah. right it feels organic and it's it's kind of like you know you've got that kindred spirit going on you know when you meet somebody either at a party or dinner and you're really mm -hmm. drawn to that person and you realize you find out you've got so many things in common, in common and it's yeah, like yeah. we've known each other on another planet we've you know it's that's how i see you with erica you know that influence it feels so a, natural lovely, and right yeah. so good. Yeah. i did I, I watched her the last time i saw her perform she was a special guest at the um damien marley and nas concert at i think it was a Wembley like a good few years back now and um and I w I'd been invited by a friend and I was backstage afterwards walking down that long corridor that they have there yeah and she was just walking <gasps> towards me down the corridor it was only us in this corridor and and I just I just thought I don't want to bother her like yeah just, so we just we like exchanged a smile I was like I loved your performance she was like thank you we just like carried on walking and and part of me has always thought that like, I would have loved to have, like, really, you know. But that day, that that day will come when she comes yeah, to see you, yeah. and she'll say, <laughs> she'll say, "There's a little young me going up, going on up there." You know, sometimes it, it, it's weird because you 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 could meet her in five years and think, and and you can tell yeah, her all this, and so when yeah. I walk past you in the corridor, and it's, you know, it, I don't. There's no such thing as coincidence. We coincide. Yeah, it's so true. It's we so coincide. true. Coincide. You know, I think it's great. I'm so excited to see you live because I've seen Erica Badu live and she is fascinating to watch. Yeah, definitely. Electrifying. Okay, so which artist would you say on the sort of jazz scene, blues scene, um, other than yourself, is shining through? Vocally or instrumentalist? I would have to... Um, Ayanna Winter-Johnson, the incredible yeah. vocalist, cellist and pianist. Um, she, yeah, she is, not she? I believe she's been on your show as well. And, um, she, and you know what? She, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think she's she's fantastic. I think she's she's such an inspiration. Um, yeah. I'm also lucky enough to count her as one of my good friends. Right, but I'm not saying great. this because she's my friend. Like no. she's, just, she's a constant source of inspiration musically yeah. and um, just as a, as a person. She's just a wonderful wonderful beacon of light in my life and and yeah musically i just think she's doing incredible things and especially during like the lockdown period and stuff she's just like really making stuff happen and really yeah. like um, yourself like yourself yeah you know. yeah and it's just inspiring to see i mean i know that you know artists should be treated better and the arts should be more supported but it's also on the flip side it's really inspiring to see what people can make happen under pressure and what people how yeah. resilient people are and what incredible art comes out of adversity you know yes. like um and i'm not defending like in terms of like the arts not being supported enough i think obviously like we need to put pressure on that to happen but at the same time yeah it's just i love to i love seeing how she's risen during this time and, and yeah. all the incredible projects she's doing so yeah I'll definitely have to choose her did, did you sure. two go to school together and you were you naughty <laughs> we didn't go to school together but we met 
We met in our very early 20s um, when we both got selected by Knit and Thorny to take part in this kind of young person's music um, project that took place at the South Bank Centre. Right. And and it's really interesting because we're now both um, featured on Knit and Thorny's new album, which comes out on Friday. So wow. it's a really lovely. Amazing. And that was like, yeah, and that was like a while ago. And it's, yeah. It was a long, yeah, it was a while ago. So... Um, we met there and we, yeah, we did this project called Aftershock, which was where knitting would gather around 15 different artists, musicians, poets, like electronic DJs, like all these people bring us all together. We'd never met before. And then we had like a week to create a whole wow. show's worth of new material. Wow, um, And it was an incredible it's... experience. Like he would really like push us out of our comfort zone. So we'd all have to like play each other's instruments or oh my God. You know, like do like learn quite complex um indian counting like patterns or, or like oh my god amazing like, what, what the, the relationship between flamenco and like traditional indian music and all this kind of stuff and it was like really mind-blowing and then off the back of that i think there were around five different runs of that in london wow. they then selected 15 of us yeah it was amazing they selected 15 of us to then do um another round for the reopening of the royal festival hall and we then performed in front of like 2,000 people there and oh then we got God, given amazing. residency for 18 months so yeah that's when Ayana and me first started you know we met and we first started working together and it turns out we live like five minutes away from each other so meant to um, be would you consider working together in the future or definitely sharing a gig the stage together oh yeah for sure like we, we I've been lucky enough that Ayana has played on a few of my so she played on my Holy Waters EP she put keys down on a song called No Lights, which is one Fantastic. of the ones I performed on the new album. And yeah. she also played cello um, on a on an acoustic cover version I've done of a mashup between um, Nirvana and Ladysmith Black Mombasa on YouTube. Oh, so, oh my God, I wanna, I've got to listen to that. I'll send you the link. Send that. The link yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, something, yeah, I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. But yeah, if you type in Aruba Red, um, Nirvana into YouTube. You're, you're, right. You're okay. Like, We're gonna yeah, get that. Yeah. Um, she played beautiful cello on that, and um, so yeah, I would love to continue. Yeah, and you will. With and you sure. will. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I like your. Um, you know, you got real woman solidarity. You know, which is yes. great, and I love that. I really like that about you. You're a real woman's woman. You know. Do you I feel? Am do you feel it's still hard for female artists to shine through in this sort of real male dominated scene? Cause it still is pretty mm -hmm. dominated, isn't it? Do you think that, mm -hmm. or do you think, do you think guys are being a bit more supportive now? In my mind, um, at the risk of making it too political, but it's just what I feel is true. Like as long as we live in a patriarchal society, every aspect of life will reflect that. So whether it's, yeah, music industry or the office or politics or whatever it is so it's just there's an imbalance in the world of music and at large as a whole yeah and obviously you know female musicians female producers engineers they're few and far between yeah um it's almost like when we're playing instruments at a young age it's super evenly matched and then you kind of get to a certain age as with almost any industry and then we kind of disappear like we drop off yeah why and do you think that is why do you think do you think it's because i mean also, do you think women want to, well, the homemakers have kids mm. 
you know, I think it's like, I think, or... yeah, like I don't blame individual like male artists or individual men. I feel like it's such a multifaceted issue that yeah, we look at from yeah. so many different angles. But I think it's a few things. I think it's representation. Like we yeah. don't grow up seeing a lot of women fronting like rock bands playing guitars or we don't yeah. see like that. I mean, we, maybe it's changing a little bit. There's a bit more of a push to kind of like, you know, but then we see it as a novelty, but... then it's still a novelty. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. that's what I and, hate. It's a novelty. Yeah. Oh. exactly novelty oh. and even i remember one of the artists i used to work with and he had like a string arrangement in one of his songs and it was just a programmed string arrangement but then when the record label would book him to do a tv performance they would hire an all-female string section to mime the string part oh. <laughs> and it's just so stuff insulting. like that it's like it's just like very it's just it's you know it's weird um, yeah it's weird it's so i think insulting. there's so many different aspects to it i think so much of our success is still tied up in how we look and how we can be sold and marketed and packaged and I think that it's still very much like yeah vo it's all right you can be a singer you can be a vocalist but in terms of the rest of it and, and I even experienced that in my own mm. life in terms of how and you know I'm not blaming my dad for this but with my brothers he would take them in the studio teach them how everything works you know like jam with them till late in the night yeah. And he didn't so much with me and my sister. Because he protected over the girls, you see. It was just, yeah, and it's just like that kind well. of inbuilt, like, you know, this is what you do kind of thing. And, um, and yeah. I'm not blaming individual people, but I think it's just such a huge issue. Um, I think, really yeah, encouraging, encouraging our girls to really, like, express themselves through music rather than perform, you know, like, pick up a guitar because you want to write a song about how you feel, not because of like you're doing it for people's pleasure, if that makes sense. It's like that's the distinction maybe that needs to be pushed through. Um, but yeah, there's so much. And I, in terms of your question about having children, yeah, of course that affects things. Like I had my little boy five years ago and there's just there was just physically a certain period of time, especially as a single mum, that I wouldn't I wasn't able to gig anymore. And and I found that when I was ready to get back on the circuit, it was just really, really hard because the way you get gigs is by being out there and then you get booked for more stuff. So, so it's, and, and I think that's reflected in every industry. It's like if you do take that break to have children, and it's not a break, is it? You're like, you know, furthering humanity, but whatever, whatever it is, you know, you have that time out. Yeah, and then, and then when you're ready to get back in, it's like you feel like you've been left behind. You feel like yeah. you've missed your chance or the doors are all kind of closed and you've got to start again and it's... it's 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 been like duality like in all things I believe in and it's been yeah. incredible inspiration and it's like really fueled my my creativity and my songwriting content and it also it's made me so much more productive because my time is limited so I'm so much more I get so much more done but yeah it is hard in terms of just yeah. like childcare and going out and performing who's gonna have him you know all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah, of course, exactly. It's like, you know, it's everything. It's, you have to consider everything. It's, but being a mom, it's, it's a, it's a full-time job. So if you have another job, which is another full-time job, you've got two full-time jobs, but you're out there now, you know, you've had a gorgeous baby boy, yeah. you know, and it, which has given you so much, you know, in life and in a way yeah. so much more material and emotion to work from right and Definitely now you're 100%. back out there you, you are you're back out there and doing incredible stuff Aruba you know and you know what as well I feel like that's why I was able to cope creatively and in terms of music career with the lockdown because it didn't feel like anything new to me I felt like it was almost similar to when I'd had my little boy like you just kind of yeah you just 
you're like locked down you're doing what you're doing um but I still feel yeah you're right it's given me so much content and inspiration oh my god of course you know it's because we're talking going back to Bessie Smith about the truth yeah and you know honesty and that's I think when you you have you know like a child and you have that much love and and pain that goes with it and also struggling as a single mom Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that's life and that's what you want to be writing about and that's what you know that's the that's that's the truthfulness and the content of your artistry exactly you know so true it's it's, you know it's better to be I think it's better to have that than to come up with no struggles what what the fuck do you have to write about what you know what have you got what emotion can you share how can anybody yeah. actually real out there um relate to you so you know true. so you, you know you have you know relatable you know your artistry has to also you know not has to be but it's great when it's relatable it's true i think for me like it. so much of what i do is autobiographical and I, to be yeah. honest i wouldn't really know how to do it any other way those are just the songs that comes out those are the songs that come out of me and um yeah. it's not really like oh, i'm gonna write a song about this particular thing or the subject matter like they just flow out from what i've lived through what i've experienced yeah. um and yeah that is just how i've always that's the best way music, to be honest. It's the best way um, isn't it what do you feel aruba do you think We've seen a massive, and you'd, you you could be riding this uh, wave with everybody anyway, but we've seen a massive a research of jazz in the mm-hmm. last, probably in a good, within the, within sort of six years, but yeah. a little bit longer, where it's become super popular again. You know, it's super popular. Who do you feel has been at the forefront of that? Who kind of, in your opinion, who mm-hmm. made that sort of, crossover into making it a real popular genre again amongst all the young people i'm not you know i'm not talking about the middle class middle white middle-aged white people (laughs) go to ronnie scotch you know great great venue (laughs) but who who is i feel like oh it's such a good question progressive Um, again you know yeah i feel like there's there's always going to be these cycles in arts and culture and Mm. jazz and blues underpins so much um and it always matters to a great you know deal of people and influences artists from all these different genres um and it's just really interesting how how the perception of jazz changes so like my dad got kicked out of music school um for wanting to play jazz because it was seen as too like modern and too controversial (laughs) um whereas now jazz is almost like you know you know before this kind of resurgence where I feel it's become a lot more accessible it was kind of almost seen as like this impenetrable thing that like it's yeah. quite highbrow and like people are quite judgy about what is jazz and what isn't and what is absolutely good and what isn't. snobby there's um, so much snobbery yeah, and it's it. interesting how those perceptions can really change with different times and different generations um, yeah I've definitely felt that it's that these boundaries are being broken down in the, in the time period that you're talking about I'm trying to yeah. think of some of the artists that I feel um have contributed to that resurgence so someone that jumped out of me immediately in my mind um is Kendrick Lamar with his 2015 album yeah. Butterfly I think that really you know he's counted as a hip-hop artist but the instrumentation on that album it it does feel like jazz to me like it really, yeah. really does and I think that would just make that sound so accessible to young people Soweto Kinch you know be up there. yeah yeah and then obviously he had like Thundercat playing on that and um yeah Soweto Kinch is another you know, great example. And I think also like the internet and social media 
for all of its faults and flaws, it does make it possible for independent artists to self-release and to connect yeah. with people. And then you've got all these internet radio stations like Worldwide FM and NCS, where like you can gain traction yourself. Like you are, if, if your stuff is great and people hear it, like it can kind of take off. Yeah. And then obviously you've got people like Giles Peterson, who's like flying the flag with his label. Um, I love um, the band Kokoroko on his. Yes, label. I do. Um, yeah, they're great. I randomly discovered them on on YouTube in 2019. And they're on his label, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they are. And there's a song called Abusey Junction, and um, I just love that song. And, and it's had like I think over 40 million streams now, which is a wow. lot. How the fuck <laughs> and then, did they get that? But it Jeez. just comes. You know what it is? I I watch a lot. You know the colours the Colours TV shows. I, I watch a lot of the artists perform live on there, and then yeah. YouTube always takes me on this kind of algorithm journey and I always discover all these exciting bands I didn't know about or artists and it always it always comes up after those songs like it always goes back to that song Abusey Junction so yeah that's incredible and then I remember in 2019 I was performing at WOMAD and um, I was with my bass player and producer Ronell Shaw and we were like walking around and then Kokoroko were also playing and then he bumped into them and I just realised like how collaborative Mm -hmm. so many of the you know, so much of the scene is because I'm yeah. not really in the, I wouldn't say I'm in the jazz or the blues scene, but a lot of the people that I work with are and it just all yeah. overlaps. And I just feel like, like Ronell, for example, he plays guitar with Rudimental, which yeah. is like, you know, more of a drum and bass pop kind of band. But then he's recently just won an Ivan Novello Award for Best Jazz Composition for Small Ensemble. So wow. he's producing my album, my new That's album. That's amazing. So, and yeah, he plays bass in my band. So it's just kind of all these worlds that collide and, and, and really um, feed off of each other. And so many of the great session musicians are from the jazz world. So they are, indeed, yeah. It always does end up, you know, seeping into all these different worlds. Um, I'm also thinking about, like, who else? Like, some like places like the South Bank Centre and, like, yep. upstairs at Ronnie Scott's. Like yeah. um, you know, Jazz Refresh and Troy Bar, all these places where you get like the legends and and the older old school guys, but then you have all the young people like jamming and 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 everyone like someone like Orphy Robinson, for example, like yeah. he was Renell's mentor, um, and like supported so many people like in the collectors coming up, like the Jazz Warriors and things like that, yeah. and um, yeah. and then now he's now performing on Renell's material, which is now getting an Ivan Novello Award. So it's just kind of like it's this full circle of because tomorrow's like young Warriors people... have been. Um, very instrumental and yeah, yeah, and I feel like young people wave. are making it happen for themselves, but with the support of some really wonderful legends in the game, and it just draws yeah. on this really rich cultural heritage. And the other thing that I think is like breaking down these strict rules that jazz might have used to have been associated with is it feels like there's a lot of the African and the Caribbean influences that like coming yeah. up in the UK jazz scene. So it's just like There's so many crossovers it's yeah it is what they're making it like the young people are making it what who they are from their own background yeah um, we're progressing it then that's yeah. what jazz is it's just progression yeah. you know, it and then to bring it like right down like to the youngest kids like my my little boy is five and he that's watches, what i mean this is great he watches Yolanda brown on on her big band jab on cbb's and <laughs> and he loves it and yolanda will bring on like all these like musicians and I'll be like oh I know that person like you know we know each other it's just like it's just very very cool like how yeah it is and it's it's great and and I'm excited to see what explosion 
what, what explodes after we fully get out of lockdown. I think yeah. it's going to be, I think it's going to be great because so many artists like yourself who really, you know, knuckled down and, um, you know, yeah. being creative and making new music and it's just going to come out into the forefront and explode. And I think that's great. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be, it can be quite exciting, you know, providing all the venues don't fucking close. Oh yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. I, the thing is with art, it will never be crushed. There'll yeah, always be. be a way. Be. People will always find a way to make it, to listen to it, to watch it, to create it. It's, you know, it can't get rid of it that easily. No way. Yeah. We're not getting rid of it. Yeah. You know, it will happen. It just may have to happen in a different way. We have to learn how to form it in a different way, show it in a different yeah, way, make it in a yeah. different way, you know, for now, you know, so currently. But so then, true. you know, we will get back back to normal, definitely. Absolutely right. right. Come on, Aruba. You've got some funny gig stories you're going to tell us. <laughs> Come on. Funny stories. All right. Let me think. Um, okay. So it, this is this kind of leads on from the the joke you made about you're not going to let me around because I'm going to steal your rum after I tell yeah. you my Aruba red story. But this actually shows why yeah. you don't have to worry about that. So I actually like don't drink alcohol at all, which is good girl. Funny. Me neither. <laughs> so I stopped drinking like on my 21st birthday. I. I'm a bit extreme like this. Like I kind of just make these decisions and then I'm like, yeah. right, I'm never going to drink again. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's not, that's not true. And then like, I have this kind of like, almost like this pride thing or like, I have to prove it to myself that I can do it. So literally since my 21st birthday, I haven't, I haven't um, drunk alcohol. That's amazing. And, then, um, and it was, it's kind of rooted in a few things. Like my, my dad struggled with addiction and he had a yeah. transplant and, all of the kind of stuff I, I didn't like feeling out of control and I also yeah. grew up in in Essex where it was like a very much like a drinking culture where you have to drink and then yeah. when I moved to London and I made friends with different people from different you know backgrounds and a lot of people didn't they were like oh no I don't drink alcohol and I'd be like oh wow like you can actually just not drink <laughs> that's great yeah <laughs> so, um, yeah you, so better, don't you? you just yeah feel... for me it's just it's better not to um, it doesn't suit me it makes me feel ill <laughs> yeah same so a few years later, I got booked to perform at this tiny little venue called Three Blind Mice. Yeah. Which is this beautiful little venue. Um, where was where it? Is I don't know where, where it was. Like, it might have been that. in, like, maybe in Shoreditch somewhere. Or... It is in Shoreditch. The kids is in, it? Do you know it? Three Blind Mice. It's, like, yeah. so tiny that you can literally fit, like, like I don't three know. three people in there. Yeah. But it's cool. It's <laughs> really cool. So I got booked to do this gig in there, and... Um, yeah, my guitarist, Charlie Laffer, who's amazing, and my drummer at the time, Kaz Rodriguez, who's amazing, they set up in the corner. Like, it's not even a stage. You're just, like, in the corner of this place. Yeah. And we started performing, very intimate crowd of people, just a couple of feet away. And there's this, like, shelf running along behind me. And um, I had my water there, which I would, you know, take a sip from in between songs or whatever. Yeah. Like, my water was there. Then after the first song, um, like, my, mis my musician started playing the second track, and I you know, I just picked up my water, what I thought was my water, and I took oh, a no, massive don't. swig. Oh, don't. And it was just, like, pure vodka. Oh, my God, I would have <laughs> projectile vomited. I hate it. But this I was, like, in that split, it. yeah, in that split second before I had to start singing, I had to make this choice of whether I'm going to swallow the vodka or spit it. Oh, I hope you spat it out. I swallowed it! I swallowed it. Oh, not straight vodka. It. Oh, my like, God. Oh, God, yeah, so I swallowed it. But, and it was just... Yeah, I tell that story. I bet it ripped, I bet it ripped your throat apart as well. It was just, it was just a shock, but 
but like he's i've also realized that how well trained i am at just kind of keeping everything yeah inside, which isn't a good show thing, must like, go on darling professionally um, yeah and luckily i guess the adrenaline of the performance yeah it stopped me from getting hammered like i, I feel like, yeah i was okay but it was just that that shock of like haven't drunk for so long and then it's just like a big did you feel sick the next day did you feel like I didn't, oh poisoned honest, i felt i felt fine it was just Mm. Yeah, it was just the initial the initial shock, so it was okay. That was a funny one. Um, I'll share one more with you. So yeah, go on. No, I'm loving it. I could talk all day. <laughs> so in 2000, so my my dad passed away in 2014. Yeah. Um, my dad was Jack Bruce, the the lead singer and bass player in 1960s Rock I know it's incredible, and, incredible. Which is you know, it's we just wanted to do something beautiful and amazing for him, and and. I co-produced a tribute concert for him at London's Roundhouse. Amazing. And it was like, it was a tall order. I was like, I was seven months pregnant. I was working a full-time job, like not in music. Like it was just, it was a super hectic time, but my mum really, she really wanted us to make this happen. And, and I'm yeah. so glad that we did, but it was, it was a lot. Um, the musical director was Nitin Sawney and we just had like so many incredible musicians performing on the night, like Mark King from Level 42. And Amazing. Vernon Reed from Living Colour and Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, like all these incredible, and Joss Stone was singing. It was just a beautiful right. night, really, really nice. Um, and Ginger Baker was nice. also, yeah, so Ginger Baker was also due to play a couple of songs at the end. And I've known Ginger since I was a little child. Mm. Um, he's not the easiest, <laughs> easiest guy, but obviously, you know, super talented. Rest yeah. in peace, Ginger. Um, he was due to play on the last two songs of the night, one of which was We're Going Wrong. With, with me singing um and oh, the second song was sunshine of your love which was like the, the climax of the night or whatever yeah. which was the name of the concert sunshine of your love so unfortunately ginger had a habit around that time of like leaving the stage halfway through performances oh, and we knew sake, that this oh was like God. a trait and um we knew that this was a possibility and my mum had invested quite a lot to have the roundhouse show professionally filmed Right. And we've since had it licensed for Sky Arts, which is quite a big deal for us because we just did it as a family project and we just really wanted to do this for my dad's legacy, you know. Um, but it was like my yeah. sister directing it and my mum producing it and me trying to do this, this show. It was just like, it was very, it was hectic, but amazing. But I'd we love to see worried. this actually, Aruba. I'd love to if see this. If you can get, yeah, I'll, 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 try, I'll send you a copy of the DVD. Do you still have a DVD player? <laughs> do you still have oh, one? Oh, I do actually. Yeah, send <laughs> it. Like, I'll send you, I'll send you. It's an amazing show. It's a really beautiful yeah. show. So then, so we thought, okay, so Ginger has his own band where he also has a backup drummer percussionist um in case he has to leave the stage halfway yeah. through a song which he was so we thought okay we're gonna get um frankie tonto who's, who was my dad's drummer in his in his um big blues band before he passed frankie he's amazing he played like with amy winehouse and loads of incredible people yeah. you know super inspired by ginger as well very sweet respectful guy um agreed to like play with ginger on the stage and bearing in mind ginger had done this even at gigs with my dad in the in the 80s and the 90s like before I was like you know an adult like he, Ginger would yeah. sometimes do like these like I think even with Simon Phillips he did one where they would both do drumming at the same time which was pretty cool wow so That's we good. discussed it good. we discussed it with him and as much as you can discuss with Ginger um and he agreed mm -hmm. with it prior to the prior to the night however once on stage, you know, bearing in mind there's 2,000 people there, it's the end of the show, it's all gone beautifully, and this is like the climax, you know, Ginger's like the honoured guest to come on stage. It became very clear that he was really unhappy about something. Oh, um, shit. 
and he ended up throwing his drumsticks at Frankie Tonto's head. Oh my god! Like, like kind well, of love halfway it, kind through of love the it. song, yeah. <laughs> which is just like Matt and Frankie. It was just, and I had no idea because I'm singing at the front of the stage, so I had no idea that any of this <laughs> was going on. And it was just, it was awful. But then for somebody, your dad would have loved it. Your dad would have loved it. It's like continuing the madness, but. Like, so someone obviously filmed this on their mobile phone, sold the footage to Rolling Stone magazine or whatever. Oh they put God. it up on their website, like the night of the gig, you know, like, so it went viral before our oh beautifully produced DVD version can come out. Like it's this like awful iPhone footage just pr- you know, showing that the night was like a complete catastrophe. Oh my God. Um, but it just makes me laugh because even at that point in time, Ginger was still maintaining you know, his his character is this bad boy, like, yeah. persona. And then I've watched interviews with my dad since then, and he, he there's one interview where someone asked him about Ginger, and he's like, well, he just kind of turned into the dad and step-toe and son. <laughs> it's rock and roll. I love it. That's what it's like, and pure it's entertainment. Like, oh, my God. I know. And I think it was shocking because, like, as Nitin Thorny was musically directing it, like, Nitin is so, he's such, an, such a beautiful soul and he's just so calm and everything is very organized and people are on time and like everything like and it's just such a different world like it's so yeah. different to what I grew up with in the music business not even the business just the industry like being around musicians and yeah the drugs and the alcohol and people being late and my mum was always my dad's manager so she was like you know gathering up Pulling her musicians, out. trying to get them on the plane and just all of that and um and it just made me it was just funny. Like, it was sad at the time, but then also, looking back now, it's hilarious. I think it's brilliant. I think your dad yeah, would have was... absolutely loved it. <laughs> Not poor think. Frankie was just, like, devastated because, you know, Ginger was, like, a big, you know, influence on a lot of drummers. Um, yeah. And <laughs> threw his sticks a... at him. Yeah, I love it. threw his sticks Fuck at you. him. But... <laughs> I love it. So, and yeah, I those are a couple of stories story. for you. A couple of stories. I love that. I can't wait to watch that actually. But we did decide it has it got edited out of the film, so you can't see this. Like they decided it wasn't my my choice, but they decided to keep it all kind of respectful and um Do you think there's any any of that version anywhere on the Yeah, probably. Maybe I should find it and put it on the YouTube channel. (laughs) That's that's I mean honestly, that's brilliant. I love anything like that because it's just it goes down in history, doesn't it? It does, and then yeah, it does and ginger Yeah, Ginger does, you know, for all of the the crazy stories, like he you know, he I remember him and my dad were working together for a long time. You know, yeah. I wasn't around during the Queen days. That was before my time. But they were working yeah. together when I was a little kid. And, um, Do you remember yeah, anything was... like that as a kid? Like your dad? I'll tell you what, I remember oh, it's one of my earliest memories. Like my dad was, yeah, my dad was um, recording, recording in San Francisco. And my mum took us, like, me and my sister out of school. And we all went to America for a few months, which was an amazing experience. Wow. And I remember we, oh, were they touring? I can't remember. We got on the bus, on the tour bus, and... Um, just to visit my dad and Ginger had, was sitting at the front he had his legs kind of across the aisle right. and I, I think I'm about maybe five and my sister's three and I'm like holding her hand and we're trying to walk to the back to see my dad and I'm just oh. like excuse me please and he just looks and he's like I fucking hate kids oh my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like terrifying man like just staring at you That is the wonderful Aruba Red. I absolutely love her. What an absolute girl. What's brilliant. 
that's the show for this week. And if you liked it, which I hope you did, please subscribe now on your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, go on, give it a review and make it a good one. Sisters in the Shadows was presented by me, Colette Cooper, and is a Pod People production. Thanks to Mike Hanson and Jake Trappett for their production support. And more than ever, thank you guys for listening. I'll be back in your feed next Friday talking to another amazing soul from the world of blues and jazz. See you then. <laughs>